Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Again, everybody, here we are at the Wild Wild Podcast, still in the uh, thick of the jungle. And uh, my name is Adrian, and I am joined by my friend and co-host from across several time zones. It's Rod Barnett. Hello, Mister Mister Smith. <laughs> yeah, hello, and yes, we did manage to get our time zone change differences wrong this time but hey we're here now and we're recording and everything's good uh, and uh we get to go to borneo which is exciting this time this is true at least uh, they're telling us we're going there yeah <laughs> who knows where we really are um yeah so uh we're still in a jungle girl season and quite an interesting film hopefully to talk about today certainly based on what i can find online it feels like maybe about 12 people have seen this film in the last 50 years wow. so uh we're shedding and I, some and light I've seen it twice that's dangerous so. <laughs> yeah so we're uh, we're shedding light on a film that really is very uh ignored it would appear but anyway before we get into that um we don't i don't have any sort of major news or anything to announce uh, anything going on since last time um rod of course your dr jekyll and the werewolf um just was available for pre-sale just a few days ago and i believe it's already close to selling out the limited edition is yes the mm. regular edition will be available for you know for years to come but yes the limited edition is very close to being sold out over at mondo macabro if you're still looking for one you might want to take a take a chance and see if they've still got a few by the time you hear this show Mm. and uh, as you're one of the uh, hardest working men in podcasting and commentary recording have you got anything else that you want to tell us about at the moment uh no i'm back in the saddle recording new podcasts 
to fill out the uh, the rest of this year. Uh, got one recorded uh, just last night, actually. Should be out uh, soon after this show is. Uh, with uh, my buddy Randy Fox and I getting back to our 70s science fiction um, fetish, I guess would probably be the best term for it. We're just, we discussed uh, Phase 4, which is a film that, uh, if you want to talk about an obscure science fiction film from the 70s, that one is pretty much there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it definitely in cult status these days, and I think it's kind of begun to gain some status with the uh, with the cult film aficionados over the last decade or so. But uh, yeah, we're talking about phase four on the next episode of the bloody pit. Excellent. Yeah, that is a good film. And uh, of course, by coincidence, there are a few Randy Foxes that uh, live in the back alleys around my house. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, uh, years ago, I, I had to fight, I, I had to fight down the, the urge to, to explain to people that that is his actual name, uh, <laughs> regardless of, how you know descriptive a term that might seem to be uh that is yes. his real name i i can attest to that i've seen his driver's license it's it's his real yes, name it does uh, does depend where you live as to whether that is funny or not um <laughs> anyway so let's crack straight on then um we are talking of course this in this episode about the film samoa queen of the jungle <laughs> Also known as Samoa Regina de la Jungla, which is a pretty direct translation. In French, it's Samoa Fille Sauvage, uh, which I think means savage child. Yeah. Uh, or sav- savage daughter, maybe. My French is even worse than my Italian. Um, <laughs> now, I was looking at where this film got released, and barely anywhere, it seems. Really? Um, yeah. So, it, Italy and France, because it's an Italian French co production which then also meant it got a release in Belgium. Um, I found a Turkish poster online, and according to the IMDb, it did get released in Turkey four years later. So this is 1968, when all of these films were bouncing around. Um, but for a few years later, in, a few years later in Turkey. But as far as I can tell, it had no UK release. Um, the IMDb says that in America it's known as Samoa Queen of the Jungle, but I've been able to find no evidence that it was ever released in America. Uh, at the time and there are dvds out there in italian um so it's sort of floating around and that's how uh i managed to see it's quite a decent copy actually and i think it is also on youtube so it has had home video releases but um yeah but at the time this did not despite the fact that it's got an american star it did not get picked up for distribution in america well, that's just it. I Something that we've noticed is that most of the films, and I think all four of the films that we're covering in this little mini-season here on the show, uh, were produced within about uh, the same 12 to 15-month period uh, mm. around 1968. And um, 
oddly enough, some of them, I mean, we, we realized, you know, the, the information about Luana, the one we covered last time, it didn't get released in the States until 1974. And so I think that there may have been this, this uh, rush to make Jungle Girl pictures for a brief period of time for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then a realization that perhaps the market is glutted. And although we've already produced this thing, maybe we hold off and we don't necessarily try to farm it out to distributors around the world currently and bide our time see it see if we can sell it down the road and maybe this is just one that didn't get sold in certain territories i don't mm. know yeah no um yeah no i can't find a single review of the film for contemporary review in english um i did also though it's not on the imdb but it was reviewed in a portuguese publication so it may have been released in portugal at the time but yeah quite limited um which is interesting like i said considering the fact that it had an american star although an american star who was mainly working in italy yeah for a few years um but also of course a very early film in the career of edwidge fenech who has come up on the podcast before of course when we uh very much enjoyed her adventures uh you may remember the film quite well and the title of which oh what was it called it's just gone out of my head oh wait a minute which which edward finish one film did we did we cover i I, oh yes ubalda oh of course the the sex (laughs) comedy yes any chance to see her is is golden i will admit but yeah that one like so many italian comedies did slip my mind yeah ubalda all naked and warm um she did a whole bunch of uh comedies far more comedies than she did horror films but of course to us uh english-speaking fans it's primarily the jello that we think of her but yeah so she was in samoa that was this this was her second film according to the imdb but her it's kind of her first starring role um and it would be a few years, well, a couple of years later that she started to do the films that we actually know her more for, like Top Sensation yeah, uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, so obviously we've talked about her before as well, because not only, um, oh no, wait, no, I think that has been the only film, isn't it? That's the only one that we've talked about yeah. with her in it so far. We've only one we've done. Yeah, no, never mind. I'm getting my uh, female stars confused. Yeah, so <laughs> we talked about her in the Ubalda episode. But, I mean, of her other early films, like, she did another one just after this with the same director. So the film is directed by Guido Maltesta. And he obviously really liked Edwidge Fenech because he cast her in his next film after this one, Il Filio di Aquila Nera, which I think is Child of the Black Eagle, which is a sort of historical drama. So she's done a couple of interesting films early on. Are you familiar with any of those early ones? No, uh, I will say that I'm I'm very curious about the film you just named because mm. it, it just uh, I, I guess I'm a sucker for those kinds of uh, stories in the first place. So I'm I'm actively attempting to seek that one out to see if I can finally mm. see it. Yeah, and it's a sequel as well, I believe. So there's a couple of films in that story. She did a couple of German sex comedies um, as well, which she did a Frau Wertlin film and uh, Sexy Susan. <laughs> that kind of stuff early in her career as well um it was a couple of years until she did five dolls for an august moon of course which is sort of cemented her reputation for jallo fans 
Well, in case of the bloody iris and your vice is a locked room. And, yeah, you know, strange yeah. vice and Mrs. Ward, all that stuff. Oh wow, yeah, that's that's one that's well worth anyone's time. Those are mm -hmm. those are the, the, she she was for a period of time there, kind of the the queen of the uh, the giallo. Yeah, but I would like to watch more of her comedies from that period. Um, you know, she did one that that Dick Randall was involved with called uh well the, the english title is let it all hang out <laughs> <laughs> or luomo dal penello d'oro um where she basically plays the girlfriend of an artist and spends the whole film naked while people paint her i mean i'm sure it's very funny i'm like to uh, i'm quite intrigued by that one i gotta <laughs> say some of the comedy films that she was in the titles alone the english titles yeah when women were virgins the uh -huh. inconsolable widow thanks all those who consoled her. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the hot nights of Don Giovanni. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they just show there's you know we, obviously we've talked about the comedies before, but there's a whole sort of huge area of film that is effectively just ignored um, in terms of when we talk about Italian cult cinema. There's so much of it that we sort of gets left to one side. Um, and a lot of you know, she did so many movies that most of us myself included have never seen beautiful antonia first a nun then a demon <laughs> I mean, just well I, I, would, I would be more than willing to watch dr jekyll likes them hot even though i assume it will stink <laughs> but... yeah and then of course once she was a real leading lady and she played the school the, the sort of school teacher films and the there's a few films where she plays a, a police officer and uh yeah i mean there's one called uh, the english title is a policewoman on the porno squad <laughs> oh, oh so, my oh that's a that's a title that draws me in immediately yeah so yeah there's a there's a lot to her career but um is still relatively unexplored certainly by me and i would imagine by a lot of english speaking cult film fans and I, a lot of that's just because i guess they just largely unavailable i mean this film samoa you have to it's not immediately available with yeah. english friendly subtitles uh you have to sort of go around the houses a little bit to get an english version and that's probably the same with many of her other films but anyway but we like edwidge Fennec, and the fact that she's sort of still working she's still a producer isn't she and yes occasionally still pops up on television she's got a credit just for this year on italian television so yeah very cool but um before we get to the rest of the cast let's talk a little bit about guido malatesta because he's quite an interesting director as well had a long he's got quite a long run of films through the 50s and 60s and i have to admit i i, I did not know who this fellow was until just a couple of days ago looking at, oh, looking right. at his list looking at his uh, resume yeah i mean he did our uh, her next film tarzana as well so he obviously enjoyed this particular genre or at least he just reused the same sets again which is probably more likely probably. um but he did a whole bunch of i hate saying that a whole bunch he did several peplum films mm -hmm. uh he was involved with these either as a writer or as a director uh he did some machiste films um a couple of colossus films did one called colossus of the stone age which I think I've got a UK press book for somewhere in my collection, but I haven't actually seen it. But yeah, so he's not a director you're particularly familiar with then. Well, that's just it. I 
have not paid attention to his name uh, before, but mm-hmm. it turns out uh, I've seen at least two or three of his right. peplums. I think I've seen Colossus and the Headhunters. I know I've okay. seen Machiste versus the Monster, um, right. Goliath versus the Giants. I It's possible, and I know I've got a copy of Fury of the Barbarians that's in my okay. to-watch stack, but I don't think I've yeah. seen it yet. He also did one that sounds right up your street, Samson versus the Pirates. And I think I may have seen that one too. <laughs> I can't be sure. Yeah. Yeah, he sounds like he seems like he uh he did really well for about fifteen years and then um died. So I mean he was I think he's he'd worked his way up in the industry, so by the time he was directing he was already fairly old, I guess. I guess it's so, hard yeah. to tell. There's not I've not been able to find much information about him. But uh, he was only 51 when he died, so actually he's not that old. But in those days, that was quite old, I suppose, when everyone started smoking when they were 12. Yeah, it looks so. like he had he had gotten... He, he, the, the majority of his earlier credits in the, in the 1950s are for being a writer of different yeah. screenplays. So, yeah. Yeah, he wrote Head of a Tyrant, which is another... Um, it's like an early historical drama rather than a peplum, which I've also... I've got a poster for in my collection, but I haven't seen. So it's, um, so I'm sort of, his name is sort of buried there in the back of my mind, even though this might be the first one of his movies that I actually watched. Um, but yeah, somebody that's worth looking into a bit more. He did a couple of Euro spy films as well. Mm-hmm. Just another director and writer working in whatever Filoni were uh, making the money at the time. Well, he, as a writer, he had a hand in... Um... One of my favorite little unsung uh, films, uh, an early film by Umberto Lindsay from 1963 called uh, The Invincible Masked Writer, which I think oh, is yeah. a much better film than people uh, would probably give it credit for. But mm. then again, I don't know that many people who have ever actually seen it. No, um, it's a, It takes place in 17th century Spain, and it's kind of like a combination of... Um, of uh zorro and robin hood uh it's right. really really fun uh the star is uh pierre Brice, the guy who was best known uh, at the time for playing uh winnetou in those german western films oh yeah uh and uh he had a hand in writing that for umberto Lindsay, and i just absolutely love that film and i wish <laughs> it's that 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 genre whatever you know ruffled collar or rapier and ruffled collar whatever you want to call that particular type of film i just wish there were more of them that were being even just considered for um release in the uh, the high definition age because i think there's a there's a lot of joy in those films there's a some some, and some just really good movies and i'm hoping that one day some enterprising young (laughs) uh video company will take it upon themselves to put together some kind of series of box sets along the lines of the uh the current gothic trend that we're getting uh, yeah. from severin and uh, take yes. advantage of how many of those really interesting kind of three musketeer style films are out there to, for mm. people to see well this film il filio di aquilonera the child of the black eagle um that he made after samoa was all, one of the writers on that was umberto lenzi so they kind of flipped it around there Oh, okay, good. I'm very curious to see that one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so speaking of writers, let's also talk about the writer of Samoa, because this is a guy who uh, is worth talking about, Gianfranco Clerici. Uh, (laughs) uh, You're sure of that name? No, it's terrible, isn't it? I I sound like the guys in um, 
Inglorious Bastards. Margariti. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gianfranco Clarici. Um, this was a writer who needs no introduction, but we'll introduce him anyway. He's written loads of great stuff. Delirium, Phantom of Death, House of Clocks. So like the 80s stuff oh, he was okay. still writing. But you get a bit Cannibal lower. Holocaust. Exactly. New York Ripper, Cannibal Holocaust, House on the Edge of the Park. Wow. Like, this is a guy who... Um, and the last match. <laughs> that just came out on Blu-ray. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Murder Rock. I think you're a fan of that one, aren't you? I am a fan of Murder Rock. It's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, he wrote loads of great films. This guy just kept churning them out. Five Women for the Killer. Don't Torture a Duckling. Bloodstained Butterfly. Special Cop in Action. Yeah. Um, but then he also, he wrote a few films for Guido Malatesta, including Samoa, Child of the Black Eagle, Tarzan of the Wild Woman, you know, High Crime is another name. That he's, uh, That's a great credits. Film. I love that movie. Yeah. So, um, yeah, quite interesting oh my guy. Goodness, he and... wrote The Antichrist, the 1974 film. Uh, yeah, which just came out on Blu-ray yep. uh, recently over here, so I just bought that. Yeah, so um, I'm assuming at some point, although the name was not that familiar to me he must be on an interview on a blu-ray somewhere is he is he still uh, is he still with us well according to the imdb he's still with us wow i i would hope that someone somewhere yeah. has, has interviewed this fellow my he's goodness. the kind of guy that would have been interviewed by somebody on one of these many releases so it's worth keeping an eye out for i'm sure he's got some interesting stories to tell about this different stuff that he wrote I mean, just the fact that he did three of the most controversial films, you know, know. New York Ripper, House on the Edge of the Park, and Cannibal Holocaust. That's quite a triple bill to have on your CV. Plus, he did one of the Black Emmanuel films and, yeah, loads of stuff. He, he did Devil Fish, but we, we can't, we can't, they can't all be hits. <laughs> guys. Yeah, come on. Yep. So, yeah, so some interesting uh, credits behind the film, I think. And of course, the music as well for this movie quite good. I think the, I'm not I that agree. familiar with the composer, but uh, I remember last time, I think last week's last episodes, we didn't talk about the music at all. That was really good too. But anyway, this one um, was composed by Angelo Francesco Lavanino. Yeah, another composer with tons and tons of credits, over two hundred credits including things like uh queens of evil and just ton yeah lots of stuff that uh, se uh, several uh, several euro spy films and that's where yeah. i knew him uh, that uh, that's how i realized that i have uh, quite a bit of his music in my um, my digital music collection because of yeah. the uh, his connection to the euro spy genre some really good yeah. stuff there yeah and oh and uh, composed the music for gungala oh yeah and also and Tarz Tarzana. Yeah, yeah, and the the uh, the 1969 Zorro film, uh, which I mean, uh, more yeah, more to the point, uh, Wild Wild Planet, <laughs> and uh, exactly yeah. the the electronic the electronic music for yeah. those four films, the those yeah. four science fiction films. So this is probably a name that we should know a bit more. I mean, we know uh, Rizzo Talani and these kind of people, but um, maybe because the Angelo. Francesco Lavinino is a bit more of a mouthful. We don't tend to sort of talk about him and his stuff in in the same breath as some of those others. But yeah, 
pretty much every almost every cult film you can think of it's probably him uh <laughs> like mission bloody Ma mission bloody mary which is one of the agent uh, 077 films that i really love yeah loads of stuff so yeah lots so th this is so samoa i would say of the three we've now watched so far samoa feels like the most professionally made i'm gonna have to agree i think you're right I mean, maybe that's partly because the quality of the copy was better as well. That that may be so, but I would also argue that there just there just seems to be more story, more intrigue yeah. in this one than in the average Jungle Girl film from the period. Yeah, and this is another film where basically you didn't even need the Jungle Girl in it, <laughs> or she didn't need to necessarily be you know the the, the daughter of a white man you know living with and the she's tribe. Not, she's not a Jungle Girl. She's no. certainly not the she's certainly not the queen of the jungle, but we'll get to that. Um, let's just mention a couple of other uh, notable names in the cast, really quick. Roger Brown, of course, the star. Our man, Roger Brown. We're going to talk about him in our next season because he is, of course, the one and only Argo Man. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. The superhero who loses his powers when he has sex. <laughs> Uh, uh, my I'm goodness. looking forward we're, to that. Uh, we're we're mining some weird areas at times, yeah. aren't we? But he also, so he's an American star, but he basically his career was primarily in um, in Italy. Mm -hmm. Well, he's one of those American actors who um, realized that he was probably going to have a lot better luck if he came to Europe and made his bones, became you know became an actor on screen, and then you know he probably had visions of doing what clint eastwood did which is i can't get into movies in the states yeah so what i'll do is i'll go to europe i'll make some westerns see if these pan out and then parlay that into a film career yeah. in hollywood again and of course for roger brown that didn't quite work out no but what he did do um which is interesting is he stayed in italy and worked in dubbing and he did a lot of dubbing he got involved in that because obviously there was a lot of that going on in rome Mm -hmm. uh, in the 60s there's a really good interview with roger brown that our friend derek cook did a few years ago on yes. the dorado films podcast he did it there's a brilliant episode where he talks to uh, roger brown and they talk about his career and they talk about obviously argo man but they talk about the dubbing and stuff as well um i'll put a link to that uh in the show notes because that's definitely worth listening to oh that's really. that's an excellent interview derek did a great yeah. job with that really really interesting but yeah he just did a whole load of the i keep saying it again i nearly said whole bunch again somebody <laughs> shoot me if i say that again he did lots of great films like uh, barabbas well i mean he was he was a you know a background uncredited you know kind of gladiator character in that yeah yeah and then he's in yeah some of the peplum films and then the Euro spy films, and then of course Argoman, uh, Samoa, and then of course let's not forget <laughs> that he is the senator who's really into snuff porn in Emmanuel in America. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Which is quite something. Uh, and then he's in the War of the Robots. Didn't we do that? Did we do the War of the Robots? Man, I can't remember which one of those got off. We did one of those, didn't we? That we did, yes. I'm not sure he was in one of those terrible films. <laughs> oh, God, those movies are so... Oh, I can find almost nothing to, to praise. 
yeah, let's not. But he did. So he had an interesting career. Then he took a break for about 20 years and then started, or 30 years. And then according to the IMDb, he's been working up until just a few years ago. So, Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like he's, he's doing just small roles in, like, yeah. uh, in, in different things. It's kind of neat. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to talking about Argo Man a lot. That's going to be really fun. A couple of other names. I don't know if there's anyone in the credits you particularly wanted to mention. I wanted to mention the other two leading ladies, basically. But is oh, there yeah, anyone you do, wanted yeah. to? Um, oh, actually, there's three. I tell a lie. Just while we're sticking with the men. So in the film, they go out into the jungle, obviously, and they have a guide. And they have a guide whose name is um, Akana. And of course, because he is black, he is the first person to get killed. Yeah, well, um, sadly, yeah, you're right. that's where we were at in those days. But I just wanted to mention him because um, we've seen him before. He is the guide in, um, I should say we've seen him before. I don't think he was in Wild Wild Planet, but he is also, he turns up in the Snow Devils. So oh, okay. he's Wild Wild Planet adjacent. Uh, yeah, so, and then he's had a few other good credits um, from The Orient with Fury, which is obviously a film I'm always talking about. He's in one of the Sander, couple of Sander cans, but he's also in a Fellini film, so he had a decent career. Um, but anyway, so I wanted to mention him, but then I just wanted to mention the two leading ladies. Other, other two leading ladies, sorry. We've mentioned one of them. There's two more. There's Ivy Holzer, who plays Nancy. She had... Uh, again a sort of quite minor career mm -hmm. and I don't know anything about her this is one of those things where I've been searching around trying to find information about this film and there's very little yeah I couldn't find anything on Ivy Holzer other than her IMDb yeah. page to be honest like that name would suggest that she wasn't Italian or that it is that she's well enough hidden behind uh, the, the pseudonym to, to avoid all kinds of hunts yeah so I've got nothing on her at all, except that she does have several credits. Yeah, she was in a number uh, of films, uh, some of which yeah. I've seen, and, and I just I, I don't know a thing about her. She was in uh, she had a an uncredited role in Messalina, which is the most recent thing that I saw that she was uh -huh. in. But she was also okay. in Wonders of Aladdin, which is yet another thing in my on deck circle. <laughs> but, uh, of course, yeah. So don't know much about her, but she's pretty good in this film, I think. Um, but I also wanted to mention Femi. Bus uh, Femi Benussi, who is beautiful. Uh, I'll just I'll just come out and say it. I don't think that's I don't think that's a controversial statement. She really is, but no. we've seen her before because she was in uh, Luigi Cozzi's The Killer Must Kill Again. Mm -hmm. Yes, she plays the uh, the sort of blonde hitchhiker. Well, she's not a hitchhiker. She's broken down, and then she ends up conning herself into the car to get a lift with the the killer if I remember rightly. So that's her. Um, and she is another person who's been in loads. Oh, we also saw her in the Thousand and One Nights film that we watched. Oh, okay. The one that Antonio yeah, yeah, Margariti, Antonio Margariti's film. She did She did a lot of Decameron films, actually, uh, around that time. But she's also in things like Hatchet for the Honeymoon. And uh, she's in Tarzana, so we're going to see her again. Um bloody pit of horror which is i'm sure a film that people will know so but in this film she doesn't actually have that much to do no she doesn't and according to the story well we'll okay we'll get to that because i'm not entirely sure who she is in the in, within the the logic of the 
the film. <laughs> um, not entirely sure it makes sense what she's doing there. But anyway, so yeah, so there's that's the cast and we've mentioned most of the people behind it. I think, was there anyone else that you wanted to pick up on that I've missed or... No, we've got, we've really. covered the the, the, the yeah. contributors that I was that I was most impressed or curious yeah. about. So yeah. Oh, one other name in the credits, um, who she's credited as choir director, was Nora Orlandi, uh, who would also go on to be a composer, and she did the score for Strange Vice and Mrs. Ward. So hmm, okay. there's another there's another connection. But anyway, okay. So I was looking because I couldn't find any English language reviews. And there are so few reviews themselves online. The IMDb has three reviews by um, fans or you know, people who've watched it. The Letterboxd has nine, which is a bit more, but there's very little out there. I managed to find one blog that had talked about the film. So considering <laughs> considering this is Edwidge Fenech and you'd think more people would be interested. It's, would, and yeah. the, the amount of weird films that do get picked up on and written about online maybe because it hasn't had a lovely blu-ray release from vinegar syndrome it just hasn't been picked up on so i was struggling to find a plot summary and i finally found one on a blog called rubber axe and i'll put <laughs> the link in the in the notes as well and this was only published a couple of years ago so it's relatively recent viewing that somebody was uh, celebrating edwidge fenech's birthday so they thought they'd go back and, and watch this so i'll do my best to go through the plot summary what's interesting with this one is it's quite there are some significant differences i would say from the last two films yes the last two were kind of carbon copies of each other plot wise at least this one is a little bit different um so we begin in the middle of a brawl in a bar pre-credit bar fight yeah and that reminded me of one of the agent I think it's one of the Agent 077 films where there's just a fight going on in a bar for no reason except that he's on holiday and he's just having a good time. And it made me wonder what this was, whether it's some kind of fight club. Because, <laughs> like, do they just go there to have a big fight? Because he's, he's just enjoying himself, punching people in the face, getting punched in the face. Uh, this is our man, Roger Brown or Clint Lohman. And he's there for a meeting, but for some reason while he's waiting he just gets involved in this massive fight i think maybe he just gets bored and needs to punch things yeah i'm not sure and it, it's supposed to establish him as the hero i suppose or at least i guess a man of action yeah so roger brown clint loman he is uh, <laughs> i was thinking about this you know, he, his name is clint and by the end of the film he really is a bit of a clint um he's <laughs> okay wait 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 just a minute <laughs> <laughs> I, what 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 do you mean by that sir <laughs> he is not a good guy like he's the hero uh, no, of the no, movie true, yeah. but um my goodness me he deserves to be uh caught by a cannibal from a later italian cannibal movie in the jungle and yet his character survives the film and goes off with edward finnick and diamonds so yeah he is a real a-hole like he's the hero but then about in the last act it's almost like they uh they they had one script and then they lost it so they got a different script for the final act where his character is completely different it's very well, it's, odd. It, anyway it, it, it's as if we 
we're we're being led down the garden path about his 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 character, yeah. and then you find out no 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 he's he's just <laughs> as much of a scumbag as as yeah. all these other characters. <laughs> so uh, we follow. So he okay. So he's in a meeting with Mister Wong. I'm not sure where we are, but I think we're either in Malaysia or Hong Kong. I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's one of those two places. I can't and, remember. And uh, Mr. Wong is putting together a team to go to Borneo uh, to, to look for some waterfall beyond which there is evidence, apparently, that there are diamonds. Yes. So he's putting a team together. Now, I assumed, I don't know about you, I assumed they would be finding these diamonds in a in a cave like in a you mine would th- you would think yes so i assumed that that's what these guys would do he's putting together a team to go and dig for diamonds <laughs> but apparently not there are easier ways to find diamonds it turns out um so yes he's putting this team together which is all men and then naturally one beautiful blonde who is coming along and that's ivy holzer's character she is the secretary uh of the geologist who mm-hmm. is coming on the trip. Um, this so this segment of the Nancy. film, I, this segment of the film, I generally refer to as untrustworthy team assemble. Yeah, because these guys and, are already cutting eyes at each other, and yeah, <laughs> none, of, none of these none of these people are actually going to abide by anything that doesn't keep them alive and possibly really really wealthy. So. There is one particular guy who's very shifty. Uh, <laughs> And there are so many characters, I forget what his name is, which one he was. Uh, he might have been Pierre. Was, it, was he Moreau? I can't remember anymore. Uh, oh, maybe. Yeah. Alan is name. the one, or Alan. Alan is the nice guy. He's the, he's the one that actually turns out to not really be a jerk. Uh, yeah. Not that it does him any good whatsoever. No. But, yes. <laughs> yeah. So in this film, yeah, if you're a nice guy, forget it. Um, yeah, so yeah, they yeah. they head off to uh, look for diamonds deep in the Borneo jungle. And we get to see quite a lot of stock footage. I mean, this film, this is something that you know, Ed Wood would have been impressed with the use of stock footage in this film. They they put in, a, they patch in a lot of stock footage so that you get the impression they really have gone on location. I know there, there are the, moments in the film, there are sequences where it really does feel like they feel effective. Um, yeah. Even when some of it's a little bit ridiculous, like the the point at which we we stop to watch two snakes fight each other, it's like oh, oh man, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. So there's a sequence where and we again, it feels like we're this footage feels like they must have bought it from a Mondo movie uh, shop. I would bet. Like, yeah. It feels like leftover Mondo footage, but there is a two snakes fighting, and then. The one snake swallows the other snake whole. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that. And then I was imagining what if that snake then got swallowed by a bigger snake. <laughs> and like, it's like when, uh, you know how you get people stuff, uh, I don't know, like a pigeon into a duck and then a duck into a chicken. A, turdu- a, a chicken, turducken. Where chicken you're, into you're a turkey. Various fowl yeah, into a fowl turkey into a goose. It's like, it's like huh so how much i mean that's a lot of protein i guess i don't know but the uh yeah the one snake swallowing another snake until eventually just the tail of the snake is sticking out of his mouth was like oh that's really weird to to watch (laughs) It, it, it it is it's uh 
it's unnecessary, it's padding, and it's clear that they spent money on that footage and we're going to yeah. see it. And there's quite a lot of footage of uh, crocodiles or alligators. Yes. I'm not sure which crocodiles, I guess. Quite a bit. Some of them um, re repeated. Yes. And there are tigers as well, <laughs> which they uh, there's one guy, the, the bad guy, gets attacked by a tiger at one point, and they sort of cut between real footage of the tiger and then close-ups of him being sort of poked in the face by a tiger puppet, which is quite <laughs> fun. But uh, I did want, actually, I did wonder whether, because the, there's also footage of a chimp, and the chimp and the tiger, so with with the stock footage, it's it's different film stock. Yeah. So you can tell straight away, I think like it's possibly even 16 and blown up to 35 because it's a bit more grainy. Or it's sort of second generation footage compared to the footage of the actual film. Whereas some of the footage of the tiger and the chimpanzee is the same film stock as the rest of the film. So I wondered whether they had actually got some, you know, like a local circus or something uh, to get the animals into the set. So I'm not entirely sure, but there's definitely a lot of stock footage. Later on, we get a lot of stock footage of um, the headhunters the headhunter tribe who are called the kayaks i think they call them so all of that stuff is all stock footage as well it's quite interesting and even later on in the film there's a bit where they're all at a party like a ceremony and there are these topless tribal girls oh and, that, and that's and they, all that's all mondo footage and that's all stock footage yeah. from the waist up but then they just cut to shots of them from the waist down to show our actors are sitting on the ground uh -huh. watching these girls and like the difference in quality of the image is so obvious it's kind of funny how they cut between these and they expect you to not to not believe that it isn't really happening um but anyway yeah so lots of stock footage but that's fine it does the job so they're basically heading into the jungle they've got to get to these waterfalls uh to get beyond the falls to find the diamonds and they stop and set up camp. And this looks exactly like the same set as where they camp in the previous two films we've watched. Yes. And they didn't even, I mean, they barely like did anything to make the set look different at all. Um, I sort of, ex I expected Gungala to just swing past in the background at one point. Well, th this is what kills me is this one set, which is, you know, next to quote unquote, the river. Um, yeah. It, it, it they they visit this same place that's that's supposed to be different places at least three times yeah. and and each time it's just like i think their their one attempt to give it a different look is they shifted where the camera was placed so that it yeah. you, know, you had a slightly different angle but it's just like it's the same place guys it's the same same location yeah. or same set i should say so they set up camp for the night and this is after um I think we've had the guy has been attacked by a tiger. We've seen the snake get eaten by another snake. Yeah. And Clint, Clint Lohman and uh, what's her name now? I've already forgotten her name. Nancy. Uh, Nan the Nancy yeah. has, has got eyes for Clint because he's the strong, heroic, square-jawed type. And, and, and the, 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 the scumbag bad guys already attempted to rape her and... Well, that's what's there. this is what happens in the tent that night. Yeah. So we see the silhouette. She's getting undressed in the tent and he's standing outside with his tongue hanging out, <laughs> looking at her silhouette. 
Uh, and so then he just goes in and attacks her and she struggles and screams uh, for help so Clint Lowman comes running along and he beats this guy up but then eventually and then he just says okay everything's fine now like no it's why not. does why does he want to keep this guy in the uh, group he's clearly just going to be trouble but he just sends him off to go and go on watch even though she's he's tried to rape the one woman in the team and then beating him up so that's all a bit odd because then rod so finally uh clint comes back into the tent to check she's okay and his checking that she's okay basically means they start snogging so which you know you you would expect i mean he has to brush a spider off of her lap but you know other than that. oh yes that's oh that's true yes as if he wasn't already a hero enough he has to kill a big spider on her leg. <laughs> I've kept I've kept the rape, rapist at bay, and yes. I've saved you from a and deadly, a uh, supposedly deadly jungle spider. So you know, perhaps it would be a good idea for the two of us to have intercourse. Yeah. Now, of course, this is all very well, but this is only because he hasn't met Samoa yet. Ah, yes. Samoa, so the next Samoa, Samoa shows up thirty three minutes into the film. I yeah. clocked it. Yeah. So the next day, they head up the river, and uh, oh, I think they start getting attacked. Yeah. By the oh, so they're trying to avoid the uh, the kayak tribe, who live around here. They've got to get past them to get to the waterfall, and so they get to the waterfall, and then this is when they come under attack. And this is basically where the film turns into a western. This where... is this is kind of a fun action sequence, and I gotta yeah. be honest, there were clearly dozens of these headhunters. It's just yeah. wave after wave of them, or or just the same five guys. Well, see, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just a strong possibility. Coming, don't get me wrong. Getting up and running back again, but it's but it's <laughs> so effectively filmed and yeah. edited enough so that it really does. It's really an exciting sequence. I have to give it. Yeah, because we've we've got our adventurers behind rocks firing their rifles whilst uh being shot at with uh spears and blow darts um and the guide akana he he bites the dust sadly um and yeah but i felt this sequence was very just could have been taken out of any western it was very it was exactly like it was yeah it was certainly shot the staged same, in the same way staged the same and so this is where suddenly samoa turns up uh but unlike our previous two films, she just immediately starts speaking Italian. <laughs> she she speaks Which, to them, and and I, I love that you know Clint is is his first re, 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 reaction is how do you speak our language? And she's like, well, let's worry about that later when we're not about to die. So she leads yeah. them into the caves there to escape the yeah. headhunters. So she takes them to the caves where you're expecting to see you know glittering walls or something like that, but no, no diamonds in the caves yet. Um, so she takes them through this cave complex to get to the top of the waterfall and they do an interesting job of cutting between actual spectacular waterfall footage and standing by some waterfall halfway up a mountain uh i don't know where somewhere in the middle of italy presumably somewhere yeah somewhere in the somewhere probably not too far <laughs> from rome yes yeah uh so she takes them to her village at the top of the waterfall and so this is where the film takes an interesting turn from what you would expect it from a Jungle Girl film. Because she's not the survivor of a plane crash who's become one with the animals. She doesn't actually have any interaction with animals at all, not even the chimp. Nope. Uh, she doesn't telepathically 
talk to panthers nothing she's just uh, a slightly paler version of the other native women yeah so so it turns out that she lives in this village and the village is i was trying to work out where because we're supposed to be borneo but the extras and the actors in this sequence looked more like a sort of combination of people they'd found from india and possibly east asia there's a sort of mixture going on well there uh, may have been some kind of student exchange program with this village yeah somewhere. i'm not sure true. what was going on <laughs> but uh so she introduces them to the chief and they take them to a hut and basically make them very welcome so it turns out that samoa her father years ago came looking for something we don't know what it is yet but he came there and he fell in love with the place because it's like you know uh Oh, it is paradise. paradise. I mean, yeah, and he fell in love with a local girl. He stayed, had a daughter. That's Samoa. What then happened to him? We don't really know. Uh, he's not there anymore. <laughs> uh, but there is an interesting. You know, there's a skull on a spike just over there. Is that no? I don't know. Uh, no, I don't know. We don't. We don't know what happened. We, to yeah, her we dad. don't know what happened to her father. But she is there, and I suppose it sort of makes sense because, particularly with the sort of makeup and everything that she has you could sort of buy the fact that Samoa is the daughter of a white man and a local woman. Perhaps. No, I mean, it's, it's, I'm willing to it's, give the film that it's not. Yeah. But, but she has a friend called Yasmin played by Femi Benusi, who just looks Italian. Uh, <laughs> and there's no, it's like, well, hang on. Are you her sister? <laughs> who was your dad? Was it another big, we, we don't know. Yeah so but she starts learning italian she falls in love with alain uh and they just there's just a little side plot there where they're falling in love with each other so he decides he's going to stay uh and then presumably father the next samoa i guess i assume but uh so they're in they get in with the local tribe but yasmin makes a fatal error and she takes alain on a little tour so because what happens is so these guys they believe that there are diamonds somewhere nearby and i mean rod you're a clever guy you're you're, you're a man of the world how would you go looking for if you had to go and look for diamonds where would you look okay starting off with the caveat that i am far from being a geologist i don't think i've i've even been in a <laughs> geology okay, class since i was 20 but um yeah. I don't think any of these guys were geologists, not even the actual geologists. <laughs> I would say that my, my understanding is that uh, diamonds, being the hardest uh, substance on the planet Earth, generally you look for these things in uh, cave-like structures. This is how yes. they are. They, they are something that I've always uh, read about and described, uh, heard described as having to be mined yeah. So when these guys spend an inordinate amount of time uh, doing what looks to me like panning for gold yeah. uh, in the, the, the streams nearby the village, uh, there's a part of me that wonders, well, is is that possible? I mean, and yeah. for someone who knows no. as little as I do about <laughs> geological facts, maybe it is, but... I am unsure, and I'm and I'm yes. willing to, like I said, I'm willing to give the film uh, credit for uh, uh, doing this. There's a part of me that wonders if um, 
in an earlier version of the story, what they were there was to attempt to dis- to, 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 to attempt to discover was actually gold, which would well, make yeah. sense. Uh, it didn't need to be diamonds at all. They could no. have said you're looking for gold, and everyone would have been fine. And because, <laughs> but they're panning for diamonds, and they don't find any. And all I could say watching them was like, well, yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, like I say, it's possible. We could, someone out there under the sound of our voices, if it is plausible or likely or just yeah. regular operating procedure to hunt to, for diamonds uh, downstream from where they might be in a mountainside, I'm willing to believe that. But yeah. this is the only film that I've run into where this is the procedure being used to determine whether or not there are diamonds nearby. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, I suppose if you're being generous, you could say that they were looking for the diamond seam. So if they had any bits of diamond show up in a river, they could follow that to wherever it was coming out of the ground. And I don't know. And, but and, it that, seems, and that's the, the logic behind panning yeah, for gold. Yeah, it seems pretty unlikely. But so the they're is, all... Gold is an incredibly soft metal. Yeah. Whereas, once again, I'd like to stress, diamonds are not <laughs> soft. Yeah, they don't float along the river. And then just settle in the riverbed. So, yeah, so they are all very unsuccessfully panning for diamonds. And they've been there a few days. They're getting a bit cheesed off because they're not finding any. Uh, there's already been at least one point along the way where the bad guy has t- talked some of the other guys into just leaving uh, and giving up. But now. And the but, geologist fooled them by showing them yeah, something that he claimed was a diamond. He the diamond is a piece of glass. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so they can't find any. But then Yasmin, because she's so in love with Alain, she takes him for a little tour of local... uh, Sacred spot. Yeah, which includes a cave where they just have uh, basically a bucket full of diamonds. Yeah, (laughs) the the cave of the stones of life. uh, Because these have been washed up by the river. They represent life and it's part of their religion. So Alain just you know mentions this to clint he doesn't mention they, it he blurts it out excitedly yeah, they all go and have a look but you you know you but then they're told very seriously that this is all very sacred and they shouldn't be there and fine and you think well that's okay because by this point of course clint is falling in love with samoa mm-hmm. well he's definitely falling in lust we'll we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll come back to the love now, part you know of this later He's completely forgotten about Nancy by this point. Well, yeah. uh, Nancy, Nancy just gives Samoa typical sort of jealous, dirty looks all the time. That's what their, at every their relationship is. Yeah, they just and and Samoa's like, I don't think she likes me. <laughs> well, uh, duh. So suddenly, so this is where it all gets like we've got this massive group of people and. Most of them don't have that much to do. Nancy, her her role as the romantic lead uh, in the film is now gone because Samoa has turned up. So Nancy doesn't have much to do anymore apart from be annoyed. And she spends more time with the professor and they keep looking at these samples and they're not finding the diamonds. So the bad guys decide they're going to steal the diamonds whilst the village put on a uh, topless dance uh, parade. Yes, I think that's I think that's what it was called. 
<laughs> so who knows? I did notice that, that the the all of the nudity in the film is from stock footage and would yeah. therefore be easily editable out of the film for television viewing. So. Yeah. So they are all at a party. Uh, they're, well, they're going to be at this party, so the bad guys are going to steal the diamonds and then make a run for it. So they're putting this plan together, and then Clint walks in, all heroic, and you think he's going to say, no, we can't do this. They're sacred to these people, and we should respect these people's uh, beliefs and uh, traditions. And they tell him what they're going to do, and he's like, yeah, I was going to do the same thing. <laughs> yep, that's my entire plan. <laughs> oh, no. Why, so, do you, why do you think I've been I've, I've been having sex with Samoa? I want her on our side. We've got to have her lead us out of this place. I forgot to mention, yes. So there's a there's an interesting moment uh, a bit earlier here where, yeah, he uh, he seals the deal with Samoa. And there's some very um, sort of symbolic uh, filmmaking going on where she's holding a flower in yes. her hand. And then she sort of, they close up on it as she drops it on the floor. And yes. then there's this footage of the two of them, and that's there's some slight nudity from Edwidge Fennec, but they've superimposed flowers over the top uh -huh. to sort of cover it all up. So obviously, you know, it's a very heavy-handed symbolism about her being deflowered by Clint. I'm so which, glad uh, you brought this up because I have to. Admit, it's pretty funny. I it's it's funny. It's it's honestly, it's I I kind of want to give the film credit for a little bit of wit there. Yeah, uh, because it's it's they didn't they didn't have to do that. You know, there's no requirement yeah. that they be, you know, quote unquote artistic in their display of this particular part of the film to get across the idea that yes, you know, as you said, Clint has sealed the deal. But yeah. the uh, the the <laughs> I I, lo I love that they did go out of their way to do this, and that that is one of the many reasons that I like this film and feel it is a little bit of a cut above the the standard Jungle Girl movies that were being yeah. produced at the time. There is some and effort being put forth here. It could only be even more on the nose if uh, he'd started popping back a few cherries during this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 Adrian, that is not the phrase I expected you to say. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yes. Yeah, well. He just he just walks out of the tent afterwards with a bowl of cherries, like, hey, what's up? Just chewing on them so, and spitting, spitting out the yeah. stones, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, we think that this is all very beautiful because Alan has already decided he's going to stay behind. He doesn't want to be involved. He wants to stay with Yasmin. And we sort of assume that Samoa and Clint are an item now. But then it turns out, you know, Clint just says to these guys, yeah, why do you think I've been getting Samoa on my on our side? It's so that we can steal all the diamonds. So so during the party, um, you know, Alan is sitting there with Yasmin, not at all suspicious as to why all of his friends have disappeared. But yes. uh, they are all stealing the diamonds in the cave. But then, of course, they get caught and uh they run away and they get chased by the tribe across the field and then there's a sort of standoff yeah. where they're all pointing guns at each other and, a and alan uh, is on or uh, elaine Al alan, yeah, alan. On which version you're watching yeah. he's um <laughs> he's with you know his his girlfriend there on the side of the natives yeah. and Clint and the other guys make him realize that you know if you stay here they're going to blame you because you're part you're part of this group and yeah. they're probably going to kill you so you really kind of need to come with us and that, none of this works out well 
and then he and then but of course Samoa is saying you've got to give the diamonds back and he's saying well I'm not going to give the diamonds back and then um the the bad guy who I wish I could remember his name I just keep calling him the bad guy it's um, he shoot, Moreau isn't it which was in Moreau sorry yeah he shoots one of the tribes people and then uh Samoa is like well I'm definitely not coming with you now you asshole yeah. uh so he points a gun at her and says, "Yes, you are." I mean, what, what kind of a basis of a relationship is this? Uh, you know, it's he's it, 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 it's not uh, it's not a good one. It's not he's, it's not yeah. going to work out well. Yeah, he's used her. He's stolen stuff from her that was sacred to her tribe. Now he's forcing her by gunpoint to come with him. So she's like, "Oh, okay." So off they go. Uh, and but then they get pursued by the stock footage headhunters again. Yes. As they're going down the river. Which leads to some quite exciting scenes and another shootout. Uh the the professor, the geologist, uh, Dr. Schwartz, and his beautiful assistant Nancy. So Dr. Schwartz gets uh, hit by I thought his last uh, name was Dawson, which I mean, maybe we saw, maybe we watched different translations. Oh I, yeah oh dawson sorry yeah not schwartz dawson you're right professor dawson uh he gets hit by a spear i think he's injured or is he shot i can't re- moreau honest, shoots. i can't remember but yeah. this is where it all gets a bit confusing it all happens quite quickly moreau steals the diamonds and runs off and i think he shoots dawson clint and samoa go after moreau this is after they've shot loads of the headhunters who then all run away again uh, and because Nancy is so afraid, she just basically steals the boat and runs off with Professor Dawson, and they leave. And that's the end of Nancy. Whatever romance she had with Clint is long gone. Well, I mean, you would think so, obviously, yes. But uh, yeah, so they're 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 gone, and that's the last that we see of them, actually. And so. Uh, so Moreau is running off with the diamonds and they're having a shootout with Clint. Oh yeah, uh, and, we, and and we get well, we, we we're I mean, he's stolen the big bag of diamonds. Yeah, running through the jungle trying to escape on his own with all of the diamonds. Uh, Clint is pursuing him, and uh, uh, we get to one of my favorite jungle cliches. Oh uh, yeah, although it is also a swamp cliche. And it is something yes. that the joke goes, hey, didn't we all think we we're going to have to deal with this crap a lot more as adults? Uh, yeah. He hits a patch of, say it with me, folks, quicksand. quicksand. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, quicksand is basically, from my understanding, and obviously I read a lot into this because I assumed I was going to fall in some at some point. <laughs> you can just swim in it like water. Yep, yep. You just you just let you know try to lay along the top of the surface and stretch your yeah. stretch your way towards something to grab the hold of and pull yourself out. Yeah. You don't just get sucked under it. Well, but, unless uh, you're carrying unless you're God holding knows how many pounds of diamonds. Of diamonds. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he just gets uh, slowly, 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 slowly sinks into the quicksand, but takes the diamonds with him, and uh, he says, "I don't want to die." And Clint's just like, "Oh well." Yeah, it's a shame. Um, so he's dead, and the diamonds are gone, and Samoa has seemingly forgiven Clint because they then find a load more diamonds in his pocket, and she, and then she's like, "Oh, good," and then they snog, 
And that's the end. And the, yeah, the, the, they're happily on a stolen native boat. Oh yeah, they find a boat on their way away from all this danger. Yeah, away from her, the only home she's ever known. With, but with, with a di- fistful of diamonds. With diamonds stolen from her people, uh, to go and live where? What are they going to do with those? You know, well, see, here's, take and, a, and here's where you have to ask the take? question, Adrian. <laughs> what kind of basis for a relationship is this? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> he he forced her at gunpoint, uh, trashed her people's belief system, stole from them. Exactly. They kill, killed a bunch of them, and now he's going to take her like to go and live in a trailer park somewhere. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I don't know. Maybe with those diamonds, they'll be living in a, in a, in a very nice villa someplace, but yeah. will she ever be able to really trust him? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is no. <laughs> no. So there you go. That's the film. And so why, what exactly is she queen of? She's certainly queen not of queen of heart, the jungle. my friend, and don't well, you forget yeah. it. I mean, we basically barely see her in the jungle at all, apart from at the end when they're just chasing the guy with the diamonds. At no point, like I said, does she commune with animals. She doesn't swing on vines. Um, she doesn't fashion uh, any kind of special cure for something that somebody needs out of plants no, no. because she's got great... Like, nothing. She lives in a village that's above the jungle. <laughs> So, and she's not even like the daughter of the king of the tribe. No, she's just another just another part of the tribe, yeah. So she's very misleading title as well, I'll say. It's almost like they were trying to pass this off as a Jungle Girl film. Uh, when it really isn't. When it isn't. <laughs> it's a jungle adventure film. That is all this Yeah. Film. This is like uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre with... Uh, a bit of Tarzana thrown in. Well, yeah, if they had stuck, you know, Ingrid Bergman into it and claimed that she had some real yeah. plot, you know, some real plot Just significance of some sort. Made her wear a bikini for the, a very revealing <laughs> bikini, you should yes. say, for the whole film. Uh, but speak fluent the language Whatever language of, they're speaking, guys. yes. I think yeah. the version I saw was in Spanish with English subtitles. I can't remember. And how did she know those? Maybe she'd been following them, I suppose, and listening to them. Because she knew straight away that they spoke Italian. Uh, well, she she had been watching them, you know, yeah. get get attacked by the headhunters, and so I think yeah. she'd been watching them for from for some little time. But it's it's not even like the headhunters thought she was a god and ran away because they were scared of her or anything like none of that stuff. No, so, it's just that the caves that she leads them through are some yeah, place they will. They're not scared go. of the caves. Anyway, I mean, I'm not complaining. It's a fun film. But it's it not... sounds like we're complaining. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a Jungle Girl film. And the hero is a scumbag. Yep, he is. Uh, Clint, but, hey. Clint Lohman is, is, yes. the, is the... That that last name tells you a little bit, I think. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes, he really is. Uh, and also, why is she called Samoa? I mean, they're in Borneo. They're nowhere. She's well, I mean, that is know. the name given to her by her parents. So, I mean, you That's know, true. you'd have to ask them, and they're both dead. Her, yeah, or are they? We, don't, we just don't know. Uh, and her dad came looking for diamonds and then stayed. Um, and for, who for knows, one reason they, or another, maybe he was forced to stay. Yeah, or maybe they ate him. We'll just never know. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting film. But yeah, it's not what I was expecting. I was expecting to see her swinging through the trees 
and but also unlike the other two where sort of finding the jungle girl was part of the plot this one is she's very incidental she's barely necessary to the plot at all and yet at the same time and maybe it's just because there's there's such a sameness about the the previous two and about jungle girl films in general this one being as different as it is kind of makes me happy i'm kind of glad that it's so different and that it has despicable characters that i can really sink my teeth into disliking you know yeah no that's true yeah i mean it's it's certainly fun but yes um but yeah it's just sort of interesting and it's uh being so different but this is trying to pass itself off as something it basically isn't it's kind of like a it's a jungle adventure film with a little bit of euro spy thrown in i felt particularly at the beginning uh in the bar and everything well one one last thing i want to talk about and that involves roger brown and his fist fighting technique oh yes uh, and, we, and since we're going to talk about argo man eventually down the road i wanted to go ahead and get this out in the open roger brown's fighting technique in, in film is absolutely hysterical to me because <laughs> I, I i've described it this way punch pause punch pause <laughs> and it, it, it's in every film i've ever seen him in where okay. it, it, it's the most unnatural form of throwing a punch i have ever seen in my life where there is no follow-through it's not as if he's actually punching something in reality it's as if he's punching and then expecting everybody else to freeze stop you know punch pause punch pause and I, as the movie opened and I, I saw that, I just immediately rolled my eyes and went, oh yeah, I forgot about that, about Roger Brown. This is so weird. Oh, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, if you were really in a fight, that pause is going to get you slapped in the back of the head with a chair. So Yeah, but it's like he's pausing for the edit. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's really it's really quite strange. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we're looking, I'm looking forward to argument. One last bit of trivia that I've just found whilst we were talking the stock footage actually comes from an italian documentary from 1955 called continente peduto or lost continent which is actually shot in borneo so there is actually some uh accuracy in terms of at least at least they picked a film that was from borneo so all of that uh stock footage is from that film apparently so there you go well yet yet another point in the film's favor yeah so yeah interesting uh which i think possibly that film is now lost or at least no longer available so at least we get to see bits of it in here i suppose yeah so there we go that's samoa and very interesting and odd little film definitely worth seeing uh as i you know i think i pretty much say with all of these (laughs) yes apart from Apart from War of the Robots, I definitely didn't say that that time. Anyway, so we will be back for our final Jungle Girl film soon, which is going to be Tarzana the Wild Woman. I think that's right. Um, the Thank you to those of you who've been getting in touch with us and talking to us on Instagram and Twitter and also on Facebook. Uh, we do like hearing from you. Please also email if you want to make any comments or if you see if you've now watched any of these films with us i'd really like to hear what you thought of them i know some people have been contacting me asking me for links uh, and stuff like that so uh yeah if you've now watched it let give give us your thoughts give us a review that would be interesting to hear rod any th- final thoughts before we finish um 
I, I am really enjoying going through these Jungle Girl movies as as marginal as they are and as uh, um, <laughs> let's put it this way I think to a large degree we truck in this show in, in bringing to light or talking about less well thought of or less traveled roads of uh, you know Italian exploitation films and these types of things I think they do deserve more attention, but I think shining yeah. a spotlight on such a very small genre as the Jungle Girl thing does bring to light that you're you're really kind of panning for diamonds. Ah, get it, panning for diamonds. Uh, uh, in in a in a field you know full of uh, dirt, grass, and uh, the occasional jungle spider. It's it's fun. These are I I would be curious to see if anyone is kind of following us following us down this path because it is an odd path to take. Uh, I don't know that they're you know they're, the 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 bookshelves are not littered with uh, books on this particular subgenre at all, and so there's very there there's a, a certain uh, curiosity on my part to kind of generate some interest in this, even if the the films are not well thought of, and I completely understand why. They are of interest. There are things in them worth talking about and worth uh, worth being entertained by. And um, I just uh, I do I do hope to hear from some people about these films if they've uh, if they've ever viewed yeah. any of them. Just uh, just out of curiosity to see where other people's points of view kind of poke through the poke through the soil and and, and spring into the light because it's strange. Yes. It's a strange subgenre. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, thank you. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please do um, get in touch, like I said. Twitter, Instagram, email, all the links are in the show notes. Or just search for us, Wild Wild Podcast, you'll, you'll find us. Um, I think that's probably all I've got to say. Uh, this journey through the jungle has left me quite exhausted. <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll leave it there. Looking forward to coming back for more with another Guido Malatesta masterpiece of Tarzana. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. We will be back soon. Bye for now. Bye everyone. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.